Do you do you think Henry Kissinger knows where the clitoris is? Um, I think that I'll take my Henry answer off Kiss- the air. <laughs> Henry Kissinger understands the real politique that like you don't really need to know where the clitoris is as long as you can wow her over with your bombing of Cambodia. Yeah. Well, you don't know. You don't need to know where the clitoris is as long as you have a large military industrial apparatus yeah. that you can give billions of dollars in charge with the task of finding the clitoris. The clitoris is wherever America's interests lie. <laughs> Ukraine, baby. Yeah, let's go. Okay, cut oh, all God. of that. Cut all of that. Cut all of it. You're tall, but I'm standing in front of you. It's a podcast. Welcome to You're Tall, But I'm Standing in Front of You, the podcast where two friends circling the drain of academia examine the cultural detritus of the 20th century. I'm Devin. And I'm Ethan. How's it going, buddy? Um, it's going great. So I have a Nothing question. Nothing matters anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of things that don't matter, do I pronounce detritus correctly? Is that how you would say it? Because um, I, I, I'm, I'm grading for a class this term, and the professor used the word recently, and they said detritus. detritus? Ah, and I was like, have I been saying it wrong on the pod this entire time and no one's corrected me? Or is it one of those where you could say it either way? It's like different dialects. Yeah. I'm assuming it's fine. Yeah. Well, write in and, and let me We're know. We're too uh, far gone at this point. Yeah. Man, this is episode 18. It just rolls off the tongue, you know? Uh, yeah. So anyway, we're here. We're back. Uh, it's uh, the wonderful month of March. There's certainly nothing in the world to talk about. So let's just uh, talk about movies. You know, that's a great call. Yeah. So meanwhile, at the Cinemaplex, (laughs) a specter is haunting Europe. The specter of some random Scottish guy. (laughs) Uh, We watched uh, The Kingsman from 2021 just came out, directed by Matthew Vaughn, uh, who... I believe directed both of the previous Kingsman movies. Uh, yes. And then also did Kick-Ass, X-Men First Class. He's done a lot of these sort of like non-MCU, uh, like sort of like second tier superhero or like action movie, Ouch. comic book movies. Well, second tier in terms of like, you know, I actually like his better, but in terms of like, you know, their like uh, economic power. Um, and, so how does this yeah. stack up against Black Widow? <laughs> Man, I mean that is a that is a question. I am that is a complicated question to answer. Man, just just finding this out now, by the way, Matthew Vaughn's full name, Matthew Allard de Verdramont. Yeah, so he, it's a complicated history, I think, where like his he thought that his father was like an American film star, but it was actually a British aristocrat and his mother revealed that, that to that him happens. at some later date i know i like that it like i like that like it's it's like actually how speaking marvel movies like in uh uh guardians of the galaxy how uh what's his name says that his dad is david hasselhoff hmm. uh but he's not actually but that it's like yeah. oh but, but your dad is actually like arguably even more powerful <laughs> yeah, it's not just like some guy yeah I think it's good to know that fact because it puts all of the Kingsman films in perspective. It's all daddy issues is what this all comes down to. No, that's very interesting, actually. I didn't (laughs) know that because this film has a very... uh, And it's based on a comic book by Mark Millar, who is Scottish. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to know. 
And uh, I don't know if he was involved in this movie at all. I think he was maybe more involved in like the original Kingsman movie. But this movie has some kind of ideas about Britishness and Englishness and Scottishness uh, that are are very rot, to say the least. And so The King's Man is a prequel, Mm. right, to... Mm -hmm. uh, these previous movies, Kingsman, the secret service and Kingsman, the golden circle from 2014, 2017 that are their sequel. They're the one is a direct sequel to the other. And they're set in like contemporary times. I kept asking as I was watching those, it like took me out of the film because I kept wondering, how did this spy agency begin? (laughs) What's the origin story? I can't pay attention without knowing that. So now we know. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, exactly. Like this is set during, uh, you know, the early 20th century and kind of telling the origins of the, the, uh, secret service of, uh, the titular secret service of the later movies. But Ethan, had you seen, uh, the Kingsman movies before or were you coming into this, uh, fresh? Yeah, no, I had seen them both before. Uh, there are like various, you know, callbacks to them in this but you don't need to have seen them to see this um but yeah no i saw both of them i thought i I liked the first one from what i remember it's been a number of years at this point the second one was all right but um not as good and uh now there's this one i really like the first one as as like a popcorn movie like Mm -hmm. i take it any day of the week over your average like you know marvel movie or whatever or rather right. like the larger franchises and and you know we'll get more into it i would even take the king's man over like you know i fucking watched rise of skywalker the other day and i you know <laughs> jesus christ like but um it's like those are the kind of things like we can't actually even talk about on the podcast because it's like okay it just it's just it's just shit king's man is at least interesting right but uh yeah uh, but yeah, we are seeing this is like an attempt to which it seems like a lot of different franchises are trying to do with not just making them into like, you know, something we're more used to pre MCU where like you have lots of sequels and stuff, but to mm-hmm. actually really be building out these like universes that yeah, which which, you know, means you can sort of make infinite movies because you can be moving. It's not just like you have to keep coming up with like the sequel with the same protagonist, but you've now got like this infinite universe to play with. Uh, hey, how's the monster verse going? <laughs> Swimming lit. Yeah, because everyone's drowning. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, like this, you know, is the uh, the attempt to sort of uh, expand upon Kingsman by going backwards mm. into the past. Um, and there's a lot to say about about Kingsman, the the original. I think we could do a whole episode on that. And there's like, I like that movie, but it's got a really fucked up class politics. I think like it thinks it has a good class politics, but maybe not so much. But uh-huh. you know, we'll get to that on another day. Uh, Ethan, did you kind of want to like? introduce us a little more fully to uh the king's man yeah i'd be happy to um the king's man is a gripping new gendered title from the kingsman film franchise written and directed by matthew vaughn this film set during the tumultuous days leading up to and during the first world war is part war drama part biopic and all based on very carefully wikipedia research Perhaps most satisfyingly, the film digs deep into the root cause of conflict between empires in the 20th century, which, as we all know, is, Devin? Capitalism. Scottish nationalism. (laughs) As we are all aware, we have endured years of anti-British empire propaganda from the woke left out in Hollywood, from HBO's The Crown insinuating that Lord Mountbatten, or Uncle Dickie, was in cahoots with a fascist coup plot, or the King's speech's scandalous fake news claim that King George VI had a speech impediment, or any piece of media that mentions Prince Andrew. Finally, however, we see some vindication for the British crown and a damning indictment of the inhuman brutality at the heart of Scottish nationalism. Now, Devin, I don't want to be presumptuous, but I think we can both agree that we are, in general, opposed to nationalism, um, 
we're internationalists in that we believe that there should be a single international order under the rule of the British Empire and her crown subjects. Uh, as such, the King's Man adeptly dispels the notion that anything bad that has happened in recent history is somehow the fault of the British Empire. Concentration camps and abject slaughter during various colonial campaigns, that's the Scots' fault. The First World War, also the Scots. In fact, the King's Man assures us that you can thank the British for killing Rasputin, bringing America into World War I, and for sacrificing her best and brightest soldiers to ensure that Woodrow Wilson's sex tape does not fall into the hands of the dastardly DuPonts. Thanks to some incredible performances, such as by the indomitable Ralph Fiennes as Orlando Bloom Oxford, Matthew Good as William Wallace Jr., and David Cross as, quote, the mustached man, spoiler alert, he's Hitler, you are sure to look at your phone after the battle sequence that takes place on the Western Front and go, wow, only 50 more minutes to go. Awesome. Please join us for this discussion on 2019's, scratch that, 2020's, scratch that, 2021's, The King's Man. Buddy, we got we to gotta get you off some of these websites you've been going to. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, uh, you know, Ethan, thanks for, thanks for that introduction. Uh, yeah. You know, and let, like, let's let's get into it a little bit now. Uh, yeah. Maybe like go through, go through, you know, I don't know what it means to go through the plot of this movie. <laughs> Right. Uh -huh. Like, so essentially. Like the 20th century is happening. Right. And well, we start in the, the 19th century. Yeah. With yeah. Uh, the Boer War. Mm -hmm. But so we've got we've got the Boer War. We've got, you know, and then we've we've got Ralph Fiennes is this. Uh, this now pacifist guy. Right. Because he. uh he had to kill some people and and he's upset. Well, well I forget. What was his core motivation? I, I don't want to get hit, but they do a flashback and it looks like it literally looks like a first person shooter. It looks like you're playing. Oh my like God, that's right. It was, a, it was a first person shooter. Yeah. So he like <laughs> slaw. Oh my God. Wait. And they were all black people that he was. Yeah. Killing. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So it's just like one it's of like those he campaigns. Was, he was slaughtering all of these people. And and so one of the things going on. And then on he this... saw himself in a mirror and was like, "Oh shucks." Yeah. And and so one of the things to know about this movie is that Ralph Fiennes is constantly making vows, but is like really bad <laughs> at keeping them. Seemingly, <laughs> so he vows not to kill anymore. Uh, now he works for the Red Cross. Uh, and then like his wife is killed, you know, by the Boers. Uh, and, yeah, and like you know, the son—it's like such a fucking like, like she's running to save the son or whatever, and like gets shot right. like th basically through the womb, right? Yeah, like, it's like so Freudian. Um, if you can avoid it, don't bring your son to a war zone. I mean, yeah, I mean, hire <laughs> you know, like get a baby. Yeah, there. like you're you're you are a like the Duke of Oxford. You can hire a nanny for the day. Yeah. You don't need to like haul your seven year old out to the middle of a colonial war just to like show him how the Red Cross gets shit done. What were they doing, by the way? Very unclear <laughs> what they're doing. They're just going places. They're going to every significant moment in history <laughs> to do Red Cross stuff. But uh, but so, you know, yeah. this movie starts so promisingly. Right. Because like I'm like, oh, great. They're depicting how, like, the concentration camp is not, like, an invention of Nazi Germany. There's, like, you know, this right. other precedent for it. They're showing how it's tied up in, like, colonialism and stuff. And you're, like, I'm, like, oh, wait, Kate, this movie's actually going to maybe have, like, kind of, like, a, like, a an anti-imperialist slant to it. Um, you nope. know, and, th and then things go a little off the rails. Um, oh, his poor mother. So immediately Conrad, right? That's the kid's name. Um, mm -hmm. Ralph Fiennes character, his wife dies and she her like dying vow that of course he has to keep this vow. One among many is protect our son. Protect him from this world. And never let him see war again. Which is like a real shitty vow to have to keep going into the 20th century. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, 
oh, it's not going to work out well for yeah, you. Yeah, no, I so, have now the personal job of like preventing all <laughs> wars from happening. Yes. And I, let yeah. me be clear I'm going to be there as they're all getting started and fail to stop them time and time again. But That's I will so be there. About it. He could have just been like <laughs> at home, like, well, wars are happening, but like, you know. <laughs> Teaching the kid how to be like, uh, I don't know, how to do Red Cross shit or something. <laughs> uh, but basically, you know, I don't know how how closely we want to go through any of this, right? But basically, the situation is like, you know, the 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 years building up, the the, the period building up to uh, the outbreak of World War One. Yeah, uh, which, as we all know, was called World War One at the time uh and yeah, there's a spoiler alert <laughs> and uh and orlando uh i can't call him orlando ralph finds <laughs> ralph finds like so he's also now like this is really confusing to me because this is like the movie is like the origins of the kingsman service but like orlando is already like has some kind of weird like spy operation going on uh, meanwhile, yeah. Conrad, the son, really wants to join the war. Like, he wants to join the army, and he's like, no, no, you can't. Uh, the guy from Game of Thrones is there. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? Um, Lord Kitchener. Char yeah, Charles Dance, who plays, yeah, Lord Kitchener, who in this film is just a perfectly fine gentleman who didn't do anything wrong in history. Yeah, nothing to, nothing to see here. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, it's like, they're all just like, uh, like Kitchener is just like, hey, I've got this good friend, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand. <laughs> like, and, you know, this movie is just like, it's like, it's trying to set off these like, you know, that like alarm sound from Kill Bill that like, <laughs> wow, 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 like, get it? Uh, and uh, so they're actually like in the car with Franz Ferdinand as he's like driving through Sarajevo. Uh and uh, we've seen at this point that there is some kind of, like, conspiracy going on. It's basically like the Dr. Evil table from uh, Austin Powers, but with this guy who's called the Shepherd, who has a Scottish accent, but we don't know what he looks like. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about, like, loyalty, and he has all these, like, helpers, one of whom is Rasputin. Um <laughs> And another of whom is Gavrilo Princip, right? The guy that... Yeah, uh, who would be totally chill, like, being in a room with one another. They have no ideology. They somehow got there, like, <laughs> they just all went on kayak and I guess, like, coordinated, uh, you know, got a good rate. And they're at some mm -hmm. location sitting around this table and... You know, we get the sense that they are all working in concert to try to make war break out as, like, Orlando and his people are trying to prevent it. My mole in the British government informs me that Kitchener is concerned for the safety of the Archduke Ferdinand. Princip, my wee bear, are you ready to prove Kitchener's concerns are justified? Yes, I am my shepherd, and I will not let you down. Damn fucking right. Uh, and this is kind of the general mode of the movie, right? Is like uh, these famous historical events that people like remember from like history class, but like the Kingsmen were there and like almost stopped them, but didn't. And then yeah. like uh, the people that were involved in those from the other side are part of a conspiracy. And have no like ideological motive in what they're doing other than being part of some very vaguely defined conspiracy in yeah. this film. We have no sense, nor do we ever get a sense of like why any of these people are like working for this guy. No. Um, uh, so at this point, uh, war is maybe going to break out. We're introduced how like you have the three cousin emperors, um, all of them played by Tom Hollander. So you got King George of Great Britain, uh, you got Kaiser Wilhelm of Germany, and you've got Tsar Nicholas of uh, Russia. 
Um, and I think when I originally pitched this to you, Devin, I was saying like, oh, look, this guy plays all three of uh, these monarchs. That might maybe they're going to be do, doing something interesting with this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, there's not really. Little, there's these little teases of like, mm-hmm. OK, you're thinking about how like yeah, like there's not actually like a real difference between these monarchs and how, you know, they're all interrelated, produced by the same system. There's like pieces of it there. Um, we'll get more into like if we can excavate anything useful out of this film later. But I think at this point, it's where you're introduced as well to the fact that it all is a plot to fuck with the English. World War One. that is. They have each of the monarchs has like a um, somebody in the conspiracy working to try and guide them towards a war. So uh, war happens, it's not going well. A lot of people are dying and like Scottish guy is really happy about how successful his whole campaign is. Do you know who hates King George more than the Kaiser? Me, the English monarchy has oppressed my beloved Scotland for over 700 years and it is time for retribution. Like, Scottish people are in the British Army, right? Like, a lot of Scotsmen are dying on the Western Front. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem like a well-thought-out plan is all I'm saying, given that Scotland is still part of the UK at this time in history. I mean, I mean we'll, we'll, we'll get more to yeah, the guy's sorry. plan, but like, yeah, it's essentially he hates the British, so he's he's mm-hmm. like how do I get revenge on the British? And his idea is to engage in this Rube Goldberg machine of like historical contingencies to create a world war that then hopefully will culminate in like Germany invading and taking over England. Um, But but apparently (laughs) this is all just for spite. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, seemingly. Um, so Ralph Fiennes is like, we're going to go to Russia. Me and you, Conrad, his son, uh, who's now grown, wants to join the war. But he's like, okay, don't join the war, but let's go to Russia to keep them in the war. Uh, very, very noble cause. We got to keep Russia in the war. Uh, so they go to Russia because they've been tipped off by their cousin. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's there. Yeah. It, it It's like truly conspiratorial thinking because it's like, it's like something is theoretically possible, but like that would never be the simplest way of doing things. Like people are just doing these unnecessarily complicated things, but because everything needs to follow the fidelity of Wikipedia, right? Again, this is right. this is the Wikipedia theory of history, this movie. Uh yep. stuff happens. And if you just understand all the stuff that happened and why, you can, you know. Yep. So they fight Rasputin. Um and kill him but i think this brings us to um the, like the third act of this film things really start to pick up once they kill rasputin first off it doesn't really do anything because the shepherd just brings in vladimir <laughs> lenin <laughs> to take over as as you know historically he did to take over rasputin's role um <laughs> Yeah, no, he's uh, literally I, just yeah. like, he's like, oh, no, Rasputin's dead. So now the Russians might leave the war. And then he just turns to Vladimir Lenin, who's standing there. <laughs> and he's like, Lenin, it's time. Do your revolution. I don't even care. Just do it as long as you stay in the war or whatever. Or you leave yeah. the war. I can't leave remember. the war. Yeah. I want you to pick up where Rasputin failed. I don't care about your ideology or your politics. Just start your fucking revolution and get Russia out of my war! Comrade Lenin. Yes, my shepherd. When my revolution is complete, the flock's left will be so powerful. You one problem will be finding my equal to balance from the right. But then as he did, Lenin like presses the revolution button, which as we all know is yeah. how revolutions happen. Hilarious scene where like literally the czar is signing his abdication in front of Lenin and Lenin's yeah. like, look, we did it. That we was actually, I actually did like that scene. 
because like i mean the film is obviously not realism it's not mm-hmm. saying it's realism so like that to me as like a like comedic and hyperbolic representation of what the revolution achieved is funny and is effective if it were used in a film that had more like <sighs> ideological clarity you know right but in this it just kind of became like one of many uh like examples of like just the, the fortnightification of the great theory of history <laughs> yeah so i mean fuck man i don't know at this point the With, other uh, like other shit happens other shit happens the other guy who's working for the shepherd gets the zimmerman telegram to go through which again just like oh you it's such wikipedia it's like okay uh and then but the u.s doesn't enter the war because there's a sex tape from another one of the operatives. Um, oh, yeah, because it's Matahari. Matahari right, is famous, like an also an operative. Spy, right? uh, mm-hmm. Everyone in this is like, a, ooh, that's somebody. Yeah. Uh, the famously not in America spy, but she had seduced Woodrow Wilson and videotaped it. You know, this, this <laughs> sexual encounter, which seems to mostly consist of like experimental dance, uh, <laughs> happens like in the Oval Office with the like shades wide open. Uh, yeah. And Wilson is very concerned about this uh, getting out. Uh, unlike his opinions of the birth of the nation, which he was like very willing to publicize. <laughs> it is as it was. But by yeah. and if people find out I get boners, <laughs> that's the end of it. I mean, knowing Woodrow Wilson, though, that checks. Oh, for sure. Now, I will uh, brief aside before we wrap up the film. There is a like 20 minute scene where Conrad does go to war uh and uh spoiler alert gets killed yeah he like does something stupid heroic way. but then basically gets killed for like a stupid reason like a just a, yeah. a dumb misunderstanding and he's like yeah he like switched places with another soldier so he could go to war and a then scottish those other guy, soldiers, a scottish guy and, like yeah. he can't do a scottish accent so he so he's killed uh so now ralph Fire orlando oxford has a you know he becomes a drunk for a brief moment, but then he like, you know, sobers up because King George comes to give him his son's medal. And he's like, oh, I've been saying all these bad things about nationalism all this film, but you know, now I'm gonna need to sober up and go um, do this thing for God and country. So he, uh, they do their big final assault on the hilarious bad guy hideout on top of a mountain. Yeah, it's in like a goat farm. So they have a they fight on top of the mountain. Uh, it's revealed that the shepherd is actually um, Captain Morden from earlier. Yeah, the, who supposedly uh, died with Kitchener. So they kill him because he America won't join the war unless they get the negatives of the sex tape with Woodrow Wilson, uh, which I want to like great cameo uh, in this film with uh, the Duponts. Alfred DuPont shows up there, Delaware, shout out. Shows up to like uh, be part of the conspiracy and deliver the the sex tape or release it to the media. But then, yeah, they, they kill the bad guy. They get the, the negative and Woodrow Wilson's like, well, now that that's destroyed, I'm gonna join the war. And then as we all know, uh, it, the war immediately ended. We won it. Yep. And, yep. Uh, and then the spying agency is founded also. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, now that we've we've said, you know, what happens in this film, like let's let's dive it takes into to those of you that stuck it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh let's dive into like some of the themes here, right? And you know, I think one of the first things we wanted to talk about it, we've alluded to this already, right? But is this idea of like history as a Wikipedia page. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh and I know you had some ideas about this, Ethan. Yeah, I mean, just like off the top of my head. By that, I mean, I wrote it down. Uh, like, we've got, what are the, like, blue link names in the, like, World War One Wikipedia? We've got Boer Wars. We've got Lord Kitchener, Graverlo Pinsep, Franz Ferdinand Rasputin, the Zimmerman Telegram, Eric Jan uh, Hanussen, uh, Rasputin, Lenin, uh, Woodrow Wilson, the Tsar and the King and the Kaiser, uh, Matahari, Prince Felix, Yusupov, Alfred DuPont. Like, it's... It's such a laundry list of figures, yeah, uh, and, and events, but like uh, mostly figures who were 
motivated by various things. <laughs> and all of that is just expunged in order to tell the tale of the shepherd and him wanting to fuck with the British. And not just uh, not just motivated, but also compelled, right? Like compelled mm -hmm. by forces uh, and like structural forces, right? Not just yeah. individual motivations, right? But it is like, you know, you're listing all those Wikipedia hyperlinks, you know, you can imagine them, right? Uh, linking from one to the other. It's like it, it's also like it's like fucking uh like we didn't start the fire kind of shit too right it's just like bro <laughs> it's just history is stuff that happened and stuff happened yeah. for random reasons and you know you can obviously go too far in the other direction and you can become like a a like really vulgar like Marxist determinist but you know it's just like like such a liberal i guess idea of history just like this like it's stuff that happens and stuff happens for contingent reasons right but yeah. whereas like like the traditional liberal centrist take is and that's like randomness right like that's the randomness of history and there's nothing we can do about it so that's why we just need to like vote blue no matter who um this is like the unhinged like conspiratorial guy version of it where like all that contingency is uh caused by an angry scottish man yeah it's like loose change world war one um yeah and so it's like obviously we could be critical of this mm -hmm. like it ev evades any kind of like structural critique it has nothing to say about capitalism yeah this is history this is like just historical actors doing things in you know like 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 it's most that this is most palpable in the in the way the film conceives of the russian revolution right because it's like it's literally just like we talked about this during the summary but like lenin like does the revolution like it's like the people are just waiting for lenin to tell them what to do like there's no sense of like <laughs> there's a reason uh that you know history came from the ground up uh right. in any kind of way that like Lenin was in a, was certainly an important figure and in a position to do certain kinds of things, but like was not capable of in himself precipitating revolutionary forces, right? Like, you know, and so it's like, obviously, you know, we can make that critique. Is there anything kind of, I don't know, is there anything we can do with what the film's doing? Like, is there anything interesting yeah. about what the film's doing or is it just hogwash? I don't know. It's a good question because a lot of times like it'll walk itself up to almost saying something and then completely excuse itself from doing that. Mm. It's like if you put something into Google Translator and put it back and forth between languages five times and the end product is like pants look good on hat and like you don't it doesn't make any sense once you've put it from between like English and French mm. five times. It's like there are bits where you're like, oh, you're going to do something with that. And then they never do something with that. Like they start like right at the beginning with the Boer Wars. Then you have this this quote from Ralph Fiennes' character, um, where he's explaining to his son why like fuck British nationalism essentially is what it sounds like with uh, Lord Kitchener, uh, and he's like our ancestors. They were, they were terrible people. people. They robbed, lied, pillaged, and killed until one day they found themselves noblemen. But that nobility, it never came from chivalry. And right there is where you could say something, but then it immediately descends into, well, it came, it came from, from being tough and ruthless. Back then, to be called a gentleman would have been a death sentence, not the mark of honor it is today. But you realize, like, um, your ancestors were still bad once they became noblemen, right? Like yeah, it's yeah. not like they suddenly arrived and were civilized mm -hmm. and and you yeah. know proper. Like no, they're terrible people still. <laughs> well, this is a whole thing. This is the whole problem with the original Kingsman movies, right? Is like those movies, they're very invested in this figure of the gentleman, right? And like the Kingsman service yeah. is based out of a tailor, right? And so like the series is really into like the, you know, this very like kind of like gentlemanly style of dress and stuff. And the weapons are mm -hmm. like umbrellas and shit. Manners like that. maketh man. Yeah. But uh, the film thinks it's doing a kind of like 
a critique by being like, oh, gentlemanliness is like not, it's not a matter of birth. It's a matter of like being made, right? Uh, hmm. So like, it's like the kid who's like the main character in the original Kingsman is like from a lower class background, but is able to ascend to becoming a gentleman. And so the mm -hmm. film thinks it's being critical in that because it's like anyone can be a gentleman, but it's kind of just, that's essentially just doing like a girl boss thing to <laughs> uh, this idea of being like a weapon of empire, right? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like anyone yeah. can do that. And like this film is falling into that there too. Uh, but to go back to that Ralph Fiennes moment, right? This like moment of self-doubt he's having, or not even self-doubt, this moment of like declared like disbelief uh, in like the like, you know, the historical, uh, you know, past of Britain or whatever. Mm -hmm. I feel like, tell me if you agree, but like, I feel like the movie only like voices that critique to refute it. Right. Because like at the end of the day, like, cause like he is like sort of like the pacifist, but then like his son insists on going to war anyway, gets killed in war. And then he's like, okay, I am now like a weapon of war and I'm going to start a secret service that will essentially be, doing like you know uh like cold war bullshit you know like mm -hmm. um all across the world incredible violence all across the world like and, and it like it ultimately i feel like because like there's they keep saying this this uh latin phrase right what is it like i don't know how to say it but like dulce et decorum est is that right but like it means like that's like, how they say like, it to die it's beautiful to die for your country or something or it's sweet mm -hmm. to die for your country or something yeah. uh like i feel like the film is ultimately uh endorsing that uh sentiment i don't know what you think yeah it, it seems like a major conflict in the film is around this idea of like is it good to die for your country and uh all throughout the beginning of the film ralph fine's character is like, that's bullshit. Cause I was an FPS shooter and that made me feel bad things. So yeah, I, I was in that... call of duty too. Yeah, yeah. And like, I was, my KD ratio was really high. Like, I don't want to take away from that, but the other team started to like, you know, fucking cheat. Uh, they had wall hacks. It was bullshit. So I got out of that. Biz. <laughs> but it's, it's social first. So two points first. At the end of the day, he is still like the Duke of Oxford. He like at the he lands his plane and there is like he's being waited on by two rows of servants uh at his like manor out in the country. So as much as he says he is like cut himself off from that nationalistic bullshit, like he is still feeding off of it cuz he's a fucking duke in Great Britain in the early 20th century. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing. The second thing is the movie goes through this, this conflict of, well, is it a good thing to die for your country? And again, Ralph Fiennes character is like, no, that's dumb. I think it, like multiple times he's like, that's fucking dumb. Yeah. And then, and, well, and then the film seems to, when, when Conrad dies mm -hmm. and dies in spite of, uh, not he dies not by enemy bullets and despite doing this incredible act of heroism to like retrieve this guy from the middle of the trenches though he dies anyway but like he gets like the intelligence right uh but he just then gets shot in an act of anger like it does seem to be saying like oh yeah no war is just stupid um mm -hmm. and like it's brutish and people that like normal people are put into impossible situations and just do terrible things against their will on on except and yet yeah. <laughs> let us come to the concluding act of this film where it's like the redemption arc for nationalism yeah, it's, it's like it's oh like... we just need to put nationalism nationalism wasn't great when it had to be dirty and in a trench but if we could yeah. get it back to like, you know, putting a suit on. Yeah. So might I, my, so first off, let me just, I, I don't know if, if we covered this in our extensive uh, recap of the plot, but they kill the shepherd by like, he, he's, he falls like off the cliff ledge of this random, ridiculous mountaintop compound he has. But uh, Orlando Oxford grabs him by the cashmere scarf, right? And um, the shepherd character says, 
You can't do it. You can't let me fall. It goes against your every belief. You are a pacifist. And then Ralph Fiennes' character responds, except now I know that it is awesome to die for your country. And then, I'm sorry, I wrote that down, but I was being facetious. I'm now realizing when I wrote that. But mm-hmm. um, I forget what he actually says. <laughs> You're right. I shouldn't let you fall. Only now I have become the man that my son would have been. But he he takes the, like, sorry your kid died medal that King George gave him and uses it to cut the scarf. Um, to which then the bad guy falls off the, the mountaintop fortress. So, like, it seems like it's, again, a redemption arc of nationalism where using that grotesque... <laughs> trophy of his kid dying yeah. to to kill the bad guy as like a no it was worth it because look that ultimately in the end allowed me to overcome my pacifism to get shit done yeah or like even if henry it's kissinger not... cried a tear when he watched that scene. yeah i hope henry kissinger saw this henry <laughs> i didn't kissinger know he seeing did movies you didn't God. see him he can was we at get the henry premiere? kissinger on the podcast <laughs> um like i watched like uh cars too <laughs> <laughs> like he he didn't think Cars Two had enough bombing in layouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and so it's like, you know, when he cuts the scarf, though, it's like one read at it is like that's like redemptive of like the of the nationalism. Mm-hmm. But it's not just that it's. I don't think it's just that it's like oh they were right or something. It's this like individual like. I can do my own personal nationalism thing, yep. right? It's like, okay, this metal sucks, and like their old world idea of sacrifice sucks, but I can like redeem it for my individual purposes or something. Yeah, it's like I totally agree. It's the the kind of theme coming out of this because they found the Kingsman organization, which is an like um outside of government spy agency it's an independent spy agency so it's like let's take any facet of like democratic control of how we operate and remove ourselves from that because that is a corrupting force and let us be a uh totally beyond the bounds of any uh democratic say uh we're an independent spy agency just like happens to have the king on our board of directors oh (laughs) for sure yeah 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 Uh, no it's like it's like the problem is like the machinery of the state is inherently corrupt right so it's like very anti-statist but it's not anti-imperialism yeah yeah Yeah, it's not anti-imperialism it's not anti-violence it's not anti-killing people yeah Uh, it's certainly not anti-capitalist right but we could find a leaner, more agile, right? More, more quick on its feet form of imperialism, which like, you know, basically is like, you know, the project of the 20th century in a lot of ways, right? Like, you know, culminating in like, like the drone warfare of the Obama administration or, uh, you know, um, even going earlier than that, the sort of uh, the attempts in the Vietnam war, uh, with Project Agile and the Phoenix program, right? And these attempts at kind of like the informationalization and like the high techification of war, right? The problem isn't isn't the project of war. The problem is like these these old, like kind of decaying empires of the 19th century that aren't aren't fit for like the modern era. Um Yeah. I mean it's it's like it's like the origin story of like the Bilderberg group, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like setting the scene of like why we need to go beyond the confines of uh, government in order to uh, get shit done. Sorry, so, what was that? You were, the, the Build-A-Bear workshop? Is that who you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was it. That was hey, I'm, it. I'm familiar with their work. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to upset so many of our loose change viewers. <laughs> the ones who, who got... Who, who subscribed after that? Hey, listen, I've done something a lot of people that aren't brave enough to do, which is have like two hours of me talking about loose change <laughs> publicly on the internet for anyone to hear. Yeah, so. that's the thing. Like, the, you either have zero hours of you talking about loose change on the internet or like 45, but you're unique in that it's you only had two hours. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
Um, so like, what is this film doing with, so it's based on a comic by a Scottish writer. It is a British director, or I'm sorry, uh, it is an English director, I believe. Um, what is this film doing with, cause like, I, I don't know enough to like exactly figure out what it's doing, but like it, it felt very post Brexit to me. Right. Like this, mm. uh, like not saying I'm, I'm not saying Brexit, like inaugurated scottish english tensions or anything but you know like in the in like in in the uh the sort of like wikipedia level current event universe of this that this movie traffics in it feels like a very like oh this is in the news now like the scottish nationalist party has been making some gains or whatever there's been the referendum recently like uh yeah kind of thinking about that or something like it's very weird that like like of especially all these events that are mostly concatenating around Eastern Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Like Scotland is the is the source of it all. I mean, it shows the downside of only using Wikipedia for your research because if you would have just gone a few years into the future, you'd be like, "Oh, what's happening in Ireland?" Like the, it seems like an Irish yeah. villain. If you're gonna go the like the internal British, um, uh, like person is is who is driving this. It seems like an Irish nationalist would make a lot more sense uh, in like the early 20th century as well, someone you who's would have trying been able to... to... Sorry. Yeah, that, that's all, yeah. And you would have been able to link that sort of villain, which is not something this film is interested in doing, but to a larger like struggle that was happening. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I'm not exactly someone that is well-versed in the history of Scotland or anything. Um, but obviously we don't have the kind of like, that's why I'm on the podcast. (laughs) We don't have the same kind of like armed conflict erupting in, in the way we do in, in Ireland. Yeah. And even the, the villains grievances are like not well hashed out. He mentions at one point, like the British seized a mill that his family owned. So apparently he's also like a shitty aristocrat, just like in Scotland. Yeah. So it's it's not very clear unless I've forgotten. Yeah, and he um, just has this like personal grievance that then he's like I will cause a world war so that like England is hurt by the world war, which again doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's kind of like I guess the film's doing something with like compared to like the very kind of forward thinking almost like neoliberal nature of the like Kingsman project, which is the Kingsman project is basically like a startup, right? <laughs> like uh <laughs> Or, or, or like even like a PMC. Uh, yeah, it's just like this character is like he's very undermotivated. He doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense why any of these people listen to him. No. Or what the source of his power is. He doesn't seem. He doesn't seem to. <laughs> it's very Emperor's New Clothes. Like I'm like, why are these people doing this shit for him? And then they're yeah. willing to like because they have cyanide tablets and they're like willing to kill themselves if they fail do any of them actually use the cyanide no um uh princip is like contemplating using it and then yeah. the uh the car pulls up but we never actually see it used i mean rasputin seemingly is like he apparently is like immune to cyanide mm-hmm and he's kind of the one that's like a little bit of like the like disgruntled employee right like he <laughs> kind of talks back yeah not like Lenin, who who historically was all about following orders. Yeah, no, Lenin, like, you know, if you know anything about Lenin, the idea that, like, Lenin would just show up and just, like, passively receive the orders of this, like, Scottish guy. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, I just don't know what the film's trying to say. I don't know if it's pro-English, pro-Scottish, or pro-British, right? Like, is it is the film ultimately, like, endorsing this idea of a British identity that transcends particular, like, english uh scottish divisions and you know you know or is it like is it trying to point out that this is like an inherently unstable idea of a nation that is going to produce you know these kind of things but but it's really weird because like that's not what world war one was like world war one was not a product of uh, like world war one was a product of a lot of things but like it's very weird to like subsume World War One to make a point about like intra-British like 
national politics like obviously right. I, I don't I, I don't know like I don't really understand what the film's trying to do yeah I, I guess it's just far enough in history now that that's like just the setting you use like if you like Wonder Woman's like we're gonna do World War One but gonna, it's gonna be about girl boss power so yeah yeah I guess that's just like a setting to to use I, I like I'd give it that there are a lot of fascinating characters in that time in history but what is fascinating about them is not just what they did, but why they did it. And mm -hmm. so to strip them of uh, any exactly. of the, the forces that compelled them to do what they did, any of their reasons for doing what they did, makes them wholly uninteresting, which is why so many of these characters are not at all interesting. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and ultimately this is a very like comic booky action movie. And I'm not trying yeah. to like take it too seriously. I'm not asking it to be like a historical epic. But one could imagine a like romp through this, e even something that had no interest in being like Marxist or anti-capitalist, like a romp through this period of history, like you're saying, that would be a lot of fun. Forrest Gump. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, like let's not, let's not endorse Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you heard it here first. Gets the the your tall seal of <laughs> approval. But, you know, like you could imagine like something like that that still had a little bit of an understanding of why these different dynamics yeah. were in motion. It doesn't have to give you a full explication. Like you don't need this angry Scottish guy is the thing. Like you could have yeah. the premise of war is going to break out and I'm trying to prevent it. And it would actually be much harder and more interesting if the reasons that war was going to break out were could not be connected to a single person and were like multifaceted and systemic and like you you kept trying to stop one thing and other things were happening you know like like even if it was being loosey goosey with the history i could see that being fun but like it's just such an absurd premise it's like literally just like everything that happened in your high school history class was caused by one Scottish guy who's <laughs> angry that he lost his mill, <laughs> which it's like, dude, like take your, like, you know, read capital, right? Uh, you know, you've got, you've got, even if they took your mill, you've got plenty of capital to have the people at the table you're talking to have read it. So yeah. have a conversation, like, have a book study. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what it, they should have done a reading group. <laughs> and if there's anything we at your tall, but uh, I'm standing in front of you want to get across to our listeners, it's that if, if you ever see a moment in history and you're like, how do I intercede in this? You have to start a reading group. You, you have to go on Amazon and you have to order yep. all of the books that everyone else is ordering that are related to the current event that just happened. And then you have to have yep. a reading group about it. And you're not allowed to do anything until you've read all of the books yeah that is i think the beginning middle and end of revolution exactly reading group <laughs> so <laughs> i don't know what else there is to say about this. Well, we got to talk my my man we got to talk about hitler <laughs> hold up i hate to say this but we've got to talk about hitler unequivocally if i had been in the theater for this I wouldn't have stood and applaud because it would have been taken the wrong way. <laughs> but, but this is in the worst sense of the word, the greatest mid post credit scene I have ever seen. Ethan, do you want to take <laughs> us through it? Yes. So it is now post World War One and Daniel Bruhl's character, who is like, loosely based on like a, an occulty person from world war one to world war two that was like affiliated yeah. with he was jewish yeah, he's but playing, he's playing a real guy with the nazis yeah they are like yeah. everyone is technically playing a real guy but he had decided after world war one i'm going to continue this project whatever it is and it's <laughs> um, not really clear why he's continuing because he obviously yeah. wasn't involved in the scottish mill that got taken but no, as we said, this film is really not interested in uh, in motivating its villains. Yeah, at and maybe all. maybe you can speak to what's happening at the start of the scene, but it's him uh, who again is like a random German dude who had been hanging out with Kaiser Wilhelm, but it's him and Lenin in front of a vault with a lot of gold. Do you know what that's about? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that's about, but they're standing in front of a vault with a shit ton of gold. 
And maybe there's something with like, because I don't know. I know there was a lot of thing with like, you know, the German war debt and something. Maybe it's trying to be like, oh, they've act. I don't, you know, people are always making jokes about Nazi gold. Maybe there's something with that. But yeah, I don't know. The Wikipedia historians out there might be like screaming at their phones right now. Maybe we're missing Probably. something. Probably. Um, we got We had to read more Wikipedias before we had this episode. Uh, but, you know, earlier in the film, Lenin in characteristic Lenin fashion was like, when I'm done with Russia, you're going to need someone from the right to counterbalance me on the left, uh, which, of course, is what Lenin was all about. He's like, you know, because uh, that's the dialectic, right? Anytime you have a, a, a socialist, you also need to have a fascist to balance them out and then um, have uh, the I think the synthesis is NATO. Um, and so like at the end of the film, uh, Daniel Brühl's character is like, guess what, Lennon? We got your guy. We got the guy who's gonna, uh, really give you a run, uh, but from the right. Mm -hmm. And then this actor walks in who I actually didn't catch this until I, I was reading after the film, but we've previously seen as a photographer who assassinates uh, the Russian czar and his family. Finally, vindication for the Bolsheviks. In a very quick, like, it's like a montage scene with like a voiceover and like, we see this happen, but this man walks in. This young man will come to rival your position in this world, my friend. It is an honor, Comrade Lenin. And your name? Adolf Hitler. And it it is filmed like exactly <laughs> like a MCU scene. That's yeah. like, like when it's, it's like introducing you to the next slate uh, of characters. Oh, like, it's like when when like that that original one where fucking uh, Samuel L. Jackson is like, "Have you heard of the Avengers Initiative?" It really has that like, "Oh shit, World War II!" <laughs> like, holy fuck, they literally yeah. are treating Hitler like he is an MCU villain. And like again, I get to this point with this film where I'm like. That is so stupid and like horrible and like offensive that it, it like it's almost brilliant. If yeah, this like was is this a done, critique on it all? Yeah. <laughs> like if this was some kind of critique, but I actually just think these people are reactionaries. Is the thing. <laughs> but it's like there's this way, right, at which like reactionary art has this way of sort of pointing to the contradictions of like you know the like the centrist consensus or whatever. Mm-hmm. But. Jesus Christ. Well, this is so this is what originally got us to do this episode is I sent you a link to uh, it was recorded in uh, a movie theater when like the film came out at the end of 2021. And it was like what it was like one of those, you know, like someone taking footage at the end of a Marvel film. And it's like the leak. But it was that scene in the audience when he says Adolf Hitler. They go, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I know that name. Like everyone yeah. was was cheering. Everyone was oh. so excited for the cinematic too, universe. He's got a mustache, but it's not the Hitler mustache yet. Mm-hmm. Like, right, it's a full mustache, and you're like, oh yeah, he's gonna shave that before the next movie. <laughs> like, God, it's so stupid. Um, yeah, but yeah, what is there to say? I don't know. Like, what the hell is going on here? It's the fucking fan fictionification of the 20th century. It's just like. Oh yeah, like Hitler's just like a one of the many characters, like, <laughs> and it's also of course, oh, like the whole fucking horseshoe theory thing, right? Because it's like, oh god, we're having Lenin, and you know, just like, man, I wish yeah. Hannah Arendt could have lived to see this. Uh, yeah, give me a fucking break. But uh, that's really where, like, you know, there, there's like a version of this film that's like a leftist version where I like actually think some of the absurdities of how the Russian Revolution is portrayed could be funny and could be for like an aesthetic effect. But yeah. this it makes it clear this film is just like is complete like bullshit. Like it's under you know con- completely conflating you know uh, the Soviet Union with Nazi Germany. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, it's all part of the same conspiracy. Like you know, and I guess yeah. the counterpoint to that is this like British gentlemanliness. Yes, yeah, the the extranational spy agency of which. Again, the English monarch is a member. 
It's a non-government agency. Hey, who from the monarchy you think is now in the Kingsman? I want to say Prince Andrew. Oh, oh well, Prince they Prince Andrew definitely has some tapes they needed to take care of. <laughs> that's for sure. Ah. Oh. oh. All right. Oh. So you know we have our new segment, the Build Back Better plan, uh, where we try to come up with ways to improve these films. And boy, does this one need it. So you know, do. Uh, you know, this is our original uh, phrase. So just, you mm-hmm. know, hashtag build back better. Send us your ideas on how to improve the King's man. Can I say like, I- I've I've been going over the tweets from our last one about the build hashtag build back better. Um, we didn't talk about like infrastructure in the Warriors episode. Uh, we didn't talk about Biden in the in the Warriors episode. I I understand how people got to that because we were talking about how the subway wasn't working very well. But we want to be clear. It's this is about making the movie better. And I think if the subway was functioning in the Warriors, it's a Mm -hmm. much worse movie because it ends in 20 minutes. They just get on the subway and it goes Mm -hmm. to Coney Island. So I just I want to remind people like we're talking about making the movie better. Yes. um, And really just keep my president out of it is how I think. (laughs) Yeah. Like we do appreciate the like millions of tweets. Like the engagement is great. Huge response. Uh, I would. It would be nice if some of you subscribed to the podcast, though, <laughs> because the numbers are not adding up. Uh, but anyway, Ethan, uh, yeah. how can we build the Kingsman back better? Um. Well, the bad guy should have been Welsh. <laughs> I think that's an easy fix. You know, you clearly didn't think about like why is he Scottish too much, uh, and if you're too much of a goddamn coward to make him Irish, why not just make him Welsh? Because honestly, if he turned out to be Welsh, it would have been so funny that I a lot of my critiques of the film probably would have been subsided by the fact that the main villain was a Welsh nationalist. So yeah, see, that's, that's my... actually like okay, you're doing something a little subversive here. It's uh, you know, um. So my idea mm-hmm. is, you know, one of one of the key scenes of uh, the movie, right, is when they're trying to kill Rasputin and they serve him this uh, Bakewell tart. Right. It's like a cake, basically. Um, the British have very weird ideas about dessert, but uh, it's bad. It's, it's a cake that has been just like don't, just... don't you don't why put blood in your pudding? <laughs> Anyways, but uh. You know, it's basically this cake that's been like just laced with like a, a shit ton of cyanide, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I would have done is is taken that cake and fed it to everyone that was involved in this film before production. <laughs> um, and then I think that would have really improved the end result, uh, which hopefully <laughs> would have been a news item announcing <laughs> the death of the uh, the cast and crew of the King's Men. Yeah. Rest in peace. I would have uh, read about that on IGN News. Um, yeah, where yeah. we get all our news. All of it. Um, they're doing a great <laughs> job covering the current events right now. Uh, a lot of on-the-ground reporting. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. Just like just like going up to Ukrainian soldiers, like, are you mad you're not playing Elden Ring right yeah. now? Yeah. Like it just it literally came out. <laughs> the day the war broke out, what might be the best game of all time. So we've improved the film. Yeah. But getting back to the way the film it is, it's time to pass out the Shia LaBeoufs. Yes. Um, so, you know, we've talked a lot of shit about this film. You know, it's obviously not great. I do want to say we didn't really talk about this, but it, it's got like fun action sequences. It's got good right. choreography. You know, it's a bit of a romp. There's there's some good humor. So, Fight scenes know, are fun. I will give it that. We yeah, didn't talk about yeah. it, but the fight scenes were fun. Uh, yes. And it's, and it's at least, in the way it's bad, it's at least interesting. Whereas, like I was saying, with like something like The Rise of Skywalker or like Eternals or, you know, something, I like, it's not, it's just, I can't even look at the screen. I was like kind of enraptured the entire time watching this movie, kind of in the same way you're enraptured by that like uh, guy who's trying to get you to, uh, <laughs> join like a you know a suspect political organization (laughs) or to sign his uh his petition you know but still like you know engrossing so you know not a great score or anything but i'm gonna give it like uh one and a half out of five shias hmm okay 
Well, I need to get it out there that that I I did watch this film twice. Um, just so I I need the world to know because uh, I did it. And the first time I watched it, um, when I watched this film, I, I wasn't so sure, but then it really grew on me. And I think that there's there's a bit of a cynicism that has come about in in this podcast that I need to re- rebut. And I think that uh, you know. I understand that this rating may drive our, you know, podcast to irreconcilable differences. Um, you know, perhaps not quite on World War One scale, but close to it. And so um, I'm just going to put it out there. I am giving this film a well-deserved five out of five Shia LaBeouf's. You're kidding, right? I knew that you would be upset by this, but I'm standing by my convictions and I'm giving you a five out of five. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I see what you're trying to do here, but uh No, what are you talking about? You think you think I haven't already tapped your phones? Like what are you what, what are you talking I, about? I, you know, I saw I saw this coming, you know, and, and you know, I appreciated you going through all the like oh the critiques of like oh what the film's saying about imperialism and but i have i have intercepted a communication that you were sent that i just want to play on the pod right now well that uh, could be any number of things uh yeah i you know it is taken out of context but i i i think the clip speaks for itself i want you to give that film a five out of five shia LaBeouf's. uh-oh because if there's one thing I hate more than King George, it's ill-thought-out numeric rating systems for films. Well, that doesn't look good for me. Listen, the uh, the the uh, other members of the Your Tall security team are on their way. <laughs> uh, I apologize to everyone that the the Shia LaBeouf scale has been tarnished in this way. I look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks alone <laughs> for for the new podcast i'm standing so thank you for listening to the final episode of your tall but i'm standing in front of you please find us on spotify apple Podcasts, or the podcast app of your choice and do give us a five-star rating you can follow us on twitter at your tall pod follow the trader ethan at mathisippi or follow me at stale cooper if you have thoughts about what you'd like us to talk about next, DM us on Twitter or email us at yourtopod at gmail.com.